It's good to be with you guys. Oh, you're live. That's awesome. All right. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Um, I'm going to call this being free, I'm sorry, freedom from cowardice. Freedom from cowardice. Interesting enough, before we get to this passage, I kind of want to do an introduction. It's kind of interesting as ministers come and they just start opening up the scripture to you and you guys hear it, you hear what the word of God is saying to you, but you need to have what we would call a biblical worldview constantly put inside of you to understand scripture properly. And so I'm going to just take a moment to just kind of lay this out for you. In the scripture, when we read through the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament, we read the story of Jesus. Please remember you have what we would call a story going on of God trying to bring his children back to him. As he's doing that, especially in the life of Christ, he's taking on our suffering so that what is going to happen with this new creation, they're going to experience a reality. You're going to become a different type of people. And so Jesus took on our suffering. Now, when he died on the cross and then was raised, he, he wasn't raised in weakness. He was raised with all authority given back to him at Adam and Eve. And you have constant affirmation through after Jesus was raised from the dead, through the book of Acts, all the way through the epistles into the book of Revelation, this idea that Christians are conquerors. And most Christians don't see that because they think of conquerors as being like rebellious and killing people and doing all that other stuff. And in certain uh, times in church history, we've misunderstood that. But Jesus wasn't, he took on our suffering so that when he was raised from the dead, he can bring forth a different type of humanity. And the humanity that he brought forth means that what is bestowed on you and I is actually our proper place of ruling again. Remember, God's original intent for mankind was they were to rule in God's place on this planet representing him. So it would be, in a true sense of the word, it'd be like saying this. Every one of you in this room are kings. And uh, let me say queen. You're royalty. Since you're royalty, now think about that. In the kingdom of darkness, you were victimized. And the, the enemy spent a lot of time before you met Christ trying to victimize you in one way or another because he saw who you really are and he didn't want you to ever get it. And he wanted you to get so discouraged being on this planet that after you met Christ, you would just want to be on what we call an eternal vacation or get raptured as fast as you could because he could see the potential in you. You actually are world changers. And, you know, this isn't just a Christian cliche. This is what scripture points to. You and I in this room are the people that God has determined that this time in human history, we set the course of human events. And most of us don't see ourselves that way. We don't even believe that's possible. And we always talk like, well, we're defeated. We're, we're always trying to catch up. We're, we're defeated. I want to point out something to you. Grab your Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Timothy, but I want you to look at something in Ephesians chapter 2 with me real quick before we look at the passage. Now, when she said, I don't even know what to think about 2020, the reason why I enjoy it, is because all of us in this room experience what I experience when I travel on the road. 
When I go into different nations or different cities and stuff like that, I'm coming into the enemy trying to oppress a group of people, and, I, and you see the damage that he does to people, and your job is to bring the goodness and the hope of the Lord. Well, for some odd reason, man has decided to mess up a bunch of things in this year. And this is the time for the church to rise up in wisdom and be, remember all the prophecies that we've been given to each other? God is going to transfer the wealth of the wicked to the righteous, and God is going to use the church to shine the goodness of the Lord. Well, you can't do that when everything's going great. That's only in crisis. The church learns to rule in crisis. All right, so... Why am I sharing that with you? Well, it's going to be important as we look at 2 Timothy. But look here real quick with me at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him. And seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that, I'm going to talk about that for a second, but look right here. It says, so that in the ages to come, this is all eternity, from every age to every age, from this point on, from this point on, he might show you his surpassing riches of his grace and his kindness towards you in Christ Jesus. So think about that. You've met Christ now. And he's raised you up into the highest level of authority. You're seated with him on his throne. So you guys realize when you and I stand in prayer, think about this. When you and I pray, why, does it, why do we have a sense of wholeness? That's where, this is where I should be. I long for this. Why are all these effects happening in your soul? Because you're standing in the trueness of your identity. I think of it this way. I'm going to use this stage as an example. Most people perceive themselves as here we are on this planet, and this stage is heaven. And I, and I have to kind of like cry out, God, do something all the time, right? And I'm trying to figure out how to get him to come off that stage down here to do something. The way the Bible puts it is, you're with him here now. So when you and he are talking, you're talking as rulers of the nation on what should happen down here he says to you as an ambassador, now, look, this region isn't responding, so I'm going to send you to go uh, enforce my rulership in that area, and you get to go down here, and you get to take all the tools of Christ, and you get to conquer what Christ has told you to take over. Now, if we keep sitting here and thinking God isn't with us, and I have no authority, how do I get authority down? You're missing what the scripture's saying. He's saying, you and, he, you and he are ruling now. Step into your true identity. Your true identity is, okay, well, evil is flourishing here, so Christ is going to send me down there as an ambassador, and I am going to advance the kingdom and diminish what evil is doing in a location. But that means you have to change and let the kingdom change your spirit to be in alignment with how to go down here to do this. So what's the problem that most of us are struggling with? By the way, um, two years ago, it was two years ago specifically, I'm reading through the Gospels, right? And I'm, I'm getting to where Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. And think about this. Guys, you're going to have this at some point in your life, so I'm just going to prepare you for it right now. 
someone in some place of authority is going to challenge your identity in Christ. And they're going to say to you, you know, I have the authority over you to kill you. I hope it's not that dramatic. But you are going to have someone sometime in your life challenge who you are in Christ. And what they're doing, are you guys ready? Because this is the, the, the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age uses manipulation, dominance, and intimidation to get you to come out of your identity so that you will not enforce the kingdom of God in a location. And that's what Pontius Pilate's doing to Jesus. He's actually saying, don't you realize I have authority over you to kill you? And he says, you, have, you don't have any authority over me. Imagine that. He's threatening his life, and he says, basically, you just don't have any authority here. Now, I, I sat back and looked at that one day, and I'm like, how could Jesus be so dynamic to stand in front of someone threatening to kill him? And basically, he's just looking at him and going, not to be too dramatic, but he's actually swatting him away like a fly and saying, you don't understand how the universe works at all. You have no authority over me. Now, do you guys see yourself that way? Where you live right now, you're the person in charge. Do you see yourself that way, or do you see yourself as the victim of everything that's happening? Could you imagine Jesus, I'm going to use myself, acting like me going into a region? Well, is it okay if I act like a Christian? I hope the governor lets me be what I'm supposed to be. I better not do enough things to offend people. Do you guys get it? Do you think Jesus walked around like that? He just went into regions and said, okay, let's just figure out what demon is doing what, and I'm just going to come against them. I'm going to heal people. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to do all the things that advances my father's kingdom. And he stood against, ready, everything that had illegitimate authority, and he did it with love, power, and a sound mind. Now, that's what we're going to look at when we look at this passage, and this is what I want to start helping us learn. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. Let's read the passage together. For this reason, I remind you to kindle a flesh, uh, sorry, kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. Some translate it, say a sound mind. I'll explain that here in a moment. But look what he's saying here. When the church first started, they had everyone against them. Think about it. We're in a nation where we've been given religious rights to do stuff, and we're now we're talking about, can you believe these people are actually challenging these rights? The, the Christians of the first century, everyone was against them. Do you guys, them meeting together meant that the, the Jews of the day tried to get the Romans to constantly arrest the Christians and beat them and do whatever they could to get them to stop what they're doing. And these guys are constantly, I mean, you're seeing Peter do it. He's, he, he just got beaten, and he says to them, well, you guys go decide. Is it right for us to follow God or listen to you? Now, how can these people have this kind of attitude? I don't think it's because they sat in a room and said, now, we're going to go do this, and I'm going to, because I'm afraid and I don't know how to resolve my fear, I'm going to get really angry, and I'm going to let my vengeance cause this to happen. Now remember, when you turn to the power of the flesh to try to overcome timidity or fear, you have to engage something to supplant that. And most of the time, you can't do it outside of rage. And so most people do things in rage thinking that's righteous. Well, the Bible actually has an answer for that. 
how do I actually stand strong in a day where everybody's not thrilled about us being Christians or us uh, following Jesus or want to stop Jesus from being what he is? I believe that 2020 is going to be a pivotal year of the kingdom of God breaking out in a way that we've all been waiting for for decades, talking about it, hoping for it. It's happening right now, but the spirit of fear is trying to keep us from uh, advancing the kingdom. This is why I keep going after this month after month. I keep trying to get off this. Oh, God, just let me teach about the river of God or something like that. And as I pray about it, the Lord's going, no, we have to address this. So let's address it. First thing he's pointing out here is he's talking about um, becoming weary in a fallen world and how God keeps energizing or renewing you. Now, interesting enough, did you guys notice in the passage it doesn't say get together and talk to him? Paul comes to Timothy and he says, look, you need to rekindle that gift that's inside of you. So get someone to lay hands on you so that the power that's in heaven for you to do what you need to do is getting released to you on a consistent basis. Blow it into place by impartation. You guys ever had any teaching on impartation? Okay, so you haven't. I can't do the whole entire thing. But impartation is taking a portion of something of fullness and releasing it into a situation so that you can accomplish. And the way the Bible describes it is you either get an impartation of knowledge or you get an impartation of the power of the Spirit to launch you into the next thing that God wants you to do. And so we do this. A lot of people only see uh, laying on of hands either for spiritual gifts or ordination. That's right, but it's actually a practice that's supposed to happen on a weekly basis because you guys ready? The Bible's trying to tell you this kindling or this refreshing of the gift inside of you, the origin is in heaven. That's where the origin of this gift is, and you need to have it stimulated by the source constantly. And it's using the term fire here. So if the fire of his presence is what ignites a gift, you have to have the person that has started that gift to constantly blow on it to keep the flame going. And the way that we can come into agreement with it is we get around each other, and you guys ready? Not something super dramatic. We just put hands on them and say, bless them. And when we do that, the fuel for the fire gets released. God's love, power, and sound mind comes into us. It's literally a power encounter that the Lord expects us to enjoy on a consistent basis so that we're able to stand in a day of timidity. And by the way, every generation lives in a day of timidity. People conform because they're afraid. moving forward. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, timidity, but a power, love, and sound mind. So let's kind of work on this. First thing we need to recognize is, it's interesting, in the Greek New Testament, it doesn't have what well, does, it has pneuma, and then it has this Greek word for fear, and it's only, this is... <laughs> <laughs> Here's what's fun, studying the Greek New Testament. I know you guys love studying it too. When you look at it, there are words like fear, phobia, and they go throughout the whole New Testament, and you're, okay, well, that's just this type of fear. And then there's a specific Greek word for fear here that's only used once in the Greek New Testament. It's right here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. So it's a unique word for fear. So 
This is important. This isn't just talking about your garden variety fear here. That's why they tried to translate it uh, timidity. It's getting kind of close, but this is one of those words where you have to actually have to have a dictionary to get you to what the meaning of the word is. What does this actually mean? Now, we say this in our culture. Where is your backbone? Have you guys ever said that? Like, where? Come on. Where is it? Where? I know you're afraid, but where's that strength in you that says, I don't care about that fear. I'm going to go do this. But we say that to each other. This word actually isn't timidity in the Greek New Testament. It actually is the word for dread. God is not giving you the spirit of dread. And what it means is it's a loss of fortitude. So God has not given you an ability to lose the ability to stand in the day that you need to stand. Now, think about that story I told you about Jesus. He stands before a man that actually does have earthly authority to look at him and say, don't you realize I have the power to crucify you? Now, you guys say, well, of course Jesus responds, but I think something's being pointed out here. It says, God has, um, sorry, God has not given you the spirit of dread. What has he given you then? And the way that the term is used isn't God has just placed this in you. The way the verb tense in the Greece is, Greek is, not Greece, not the movie, Greek, is this. God continually gives, instead of dread, power, love, and a sound mind whenever it is needed in that situation. So, you ready? We can fan the gift of flame by praying for each other. And then what's going to happen is we're going to run into these places where we need to be fortified with the nature of the Lord. And he's saying, in that place, I'm going to come. And you need to recognize it. That timidity is not from me. I'm trying to break that free in your life so that you come into what your true identity is that you experience when you're praying and standing before the Lord. That's what we call being a new creation. You respond differently out of the kingdom of God compared to the way you were before you knew the Lord. He gives you his nature and he says, okay, in that situation, it's going to come on you in such a way you're actually going to be shocked by it. And that's just part of being a conqueror. The one who has conquered is now living inside of you and everywhere you need to conquer, he'll give himself to you so that you overcome. Now, you guys ready? How do you learn this? Um, there's a woman, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to ask Paula if she's ever, have you ever heard of a woman named Leanne Payne? Okay, I, I just love her writings. And there's this one book she's writing on, uh, the book is called Restoring the Broken Image. And it's about how God goes through different seasons of your life, how your parents have modeled who they think you are, or how the society tells you who you are. And it's a broken image. And how the Lord actually brings his healing presence into your life to restore the broken image and so that you can see yourself reflected by how, who Jesus sees you to be. It's a beautiful book. And she makes a statement about the, the disciples before Jesus was raised from the dead and then after Jesus was raised from the dead. And she said this. She said, humanity needs to realize something about their ability to stand in a difficult day. They don't have the ability to do it. So when Peter, remember Jesus, 
I, I, I don't know if this ever blesses you guys. Jesus looks at Peter and says, do you know that before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me? And Peter just says, that ain't true. And all Jesus was doing, it was he was trying to commend him. Hey, I already know all this before it happens, so don't lose heart. But he was pointing at something. He says, your, your nature outside of me helping you, you cannot stand in a difficult day. You don't have, it's not from this world, it comes from the Lord. You don't have what it takes to have the ability to stand when people are threatening your life. I do. Now, after Jesus is raised from the dead, they're threatening him all over the place. And he's like, well, I guess you'll, you'll kill me if you want to, but I'm going to do it. What's the difference? He's become a new creation. And because he's become a new creation, the overcoming one is now taking up residency inside of him. And it's not something Peter learned to do. It was something Jesus gave of himself to us for us to do. We can, uh, I, um, I don't know if you guys are like this, but I love reading stories of martyrs and missionaries and people that just put themselves in really difficult places and have to take a stand for Christ. And they all end up saying the same thing. In that place, I was fearful, and Christ came among me and gave me something that I didn't possess. I couldn't reason myself there. I couldn't pray enough to get myself there. He gave me his fortitude to stand. Let's, let's keep moving on. So God has not given you a spirit of dreadfulness. Or, or lack of fortitude, he has given you power, love, and a sound mind. And I, in the Greek, the best translation is a sound mind. So let's work through that. God has given you the spirit of power. Now, this is a contrasting statement. So in Scripture, when it says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of power, love, and sound mind, it's actually saying that if your fear is bugging you, that is not from the Lord. And so you need to recognize that I don't have to swim in fear to try to find faith. I need to recognize this is what the fallen world is swimming in all the time. And God says, you're just of a different order and a different kingdom. Come to me and I'll wash you of that and I'll replace it with something. That's why it talked about impartation and then went into power, love, and a sound mind. Now let's take the word power. This is interesting because when you talk to Christians about power, you get all kinds of ideas of what they believe this means. God says he's going to give you a spirit of power. Well, this is, this is the word dunamis, but please understand the word dunamis is used depending on if there's an adjective with it or it's a noun statement or a verb statement. This is a verb statement of impartation, which means it's a certain type of power. So what's the certain type of power? Okay, what power did Jesus use to do everything he did? We would actually define it this way, miraculous. The dunamis really should be translated miraculous power, not just power, because it's a power that is not based in your own ability or skill. It's based on a miraculous being exerting his influence in a situation. So, I step into a place of fear. God says, hey, here it comes. And I'm going to release miraculous power into this situation so that you actually can sit upon that and begin to function the way I've called you to do it. So you think about this with me. 
Back to Leanne Payne. She actually believes, and I agree with her about this, and most of us have been trained in the United States to run from this as fast as they can. Are you ready? She calls it the blessing of the battle. The blessing of the battle. Now, to give you some insight into my personal life, I don't really like telling you a lot of stuff about my personal life because it's my personal life. <laughs> but at a certain season, ever since I was in the third grade up until my 20s, I was taking karate all the time. And inevitably, after you take karate and you do compact fighting and all that other stuff, you have to actually fight somebody. I mean, it's fun blocking the wind and doing shadow boxing and all that other stuff, but at some point, someone has to take a swing and hit you and kick you in the ribs and do all that other stuff, right? You have to be shocked by it so that you can actually learn the rhythm of battle, okay? You guys realize that as Christians, you've been taught the rhythm of leisure in the United States. Focus of Christianity is the blessing of the Lord. So anytime any of us go into a battle, we look at each other like, there's something wrong with you. Because in the church in the America, it's all about receiving and, and hanging on to waves and going on vacation all the time and just enjoying life. So as Christians in America, we just enjoy life. And we've been trained to not ever, we, we actually don't like battle. Have you guys seen that reality? And so you guys don't come in here and expect me to walk up to you and go, what battle are you in this week? In fact, we all talk about it in, as a dread. Oh, my gosh, I just went through this, and then another thing happened and stuff. And how many of you have gone through a battle, and you realize that when you came on the other end of it, you were better because of it? So we have to, I think this is a great, this is why I like 2020. You've been forced into a battle. You've been forced. Okay, so here we are. We're all in the ring instead of standing outside the ring watching someone else do all the fighting. Now we're, been, we're in the ring, and now the Lord is saying, well, now you're actually in it, so here's what I want to help you with, all right? So do I go after the battle in rage? I'm just so mad that they've taken away the American dream. No, the Lord says, you're... The reason why you're upset with that, if you've bought into a false reality, I didn't call you into the land of total prosperity without any struggle. I've called you into the land of struggling towards prosperity. <laughs> the, the land you conquer is the land you enjoy. The land that's given to you, you don't care anything about it. Any victory I have in Christ, I so much savor it more than things that Jesus just easily gives me. I appreciate him, but that battle that is won, I realize that I have been formed into something that I could have never been unless I went through the battle. I'm going to learn things in that battle that I've never understood before, and I sense a spirit of a warrior king inside of me, and it makes me rise up and say, this is what I should actually be as a person. Instead of just eating ice cream all day long and wanting people to feed me grapes and brush my hair. Do my nails, that's cute. You guys ever remember the movie Braveheart? How many of you just thought that was the most exciting thing you ever saw? Yeah! I'm going to paint my face. 
Really, why did you like the movie? Now, most guys will say, well, I like the movie because they like took swords and cut off people's arms and did all that other stuff. That's some of it. That's how guys think. But it's the warrior, it's the battle that you guys, it's someone that actually said, look, I'm made in the image of God and I have got to experience freedom. And anything that's standing against me, I'm going to go after it instead of just, well, you know, they're just taking over another part of my land or they're buying me off or they're, they're doing something to cause me to conform. Do you guys understand you have not been created to be conformed to the image of this world? You've been, you've been created to go after it and say, no, there's something better for humanity, and I'm tired of standing here and being pushed all the time. So this is what Paula and I were having a conversation before the service, and I said, have you had enough yet? But actually, I've been asking a lot of people, have you guys had enough yet? Okay, think about it. I'm watching your guys' spirit to see if God is pressing you to say, how much of this junk are you going to put up with? Remember, you've been called to the battle. If you keep trying to run from the battle, you're not going to be who Christ has made you to be. Um, I was sharing with uh, some of these wonderful uh, sisters in the Lord before the service. I, I was said to them, just kind of offhand, because I was getting ready for this evening, I said, when I went down to Cuba, it was really interesting because, you know, they're still a communist nation. And the very first thing they did to me when I went down there is they started harassing me and threatening me. The very first thing they did to me. Right. Then they tried to intimidate me and all the people that were with me threw me in a car. And we had to drive and connect to five different cars so we could make sure someone wasn't following. So, you guys, the whole time I was in Cuba, the Communist Party was trying to track me down and persecute me the whole time I was there. And every meeting I had to go to, they had to rush me into rooms and go through several different rooms and through houses and into other houses so that I could sit down and have meetings with leaders and minister to them. And I, was, I had a constant spirit of intimidation and fear chasing me the whole time I was there. And they would do things to let me know they were pursuing me. Now, and I said to these guys about this, I said, isn't it interesting right now in the United States... Everything that was going on in the spiritual atmosphere that I experienced in Cuba has been released over the United States now. And everybody's acting the same way they acted in Cuba. Is this person watching me? Is someone going to call the phone on me? Is it okay for me to be a Christian again? Should I minister to people? Maybe I should stay away from them. You guys see that? It's that spirit. And I, I, for life, I can't figure out why the leaders of the world thought it'd be great to just release the spirit of intimidation over the whole entire world. But guys, we've got to seize who we are. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to be obnoxious. You just have to be a Christian. God has given you the ability to stand and give you fortitude to do it. And he's given you miraculous power to respond to this. By the way, she was talking about me being in Minnesota. Just, so, just to help you guys understand. So when I go up there, I don't understand this, but the, the governor of the state has put, he's actually decided to not only follow what everyone else is doing, but even make it worse on the people of Minnesota. And so when I'm among the church, they're really under a spirit of timidity. They're afraid, they're literally looking over their shoulder to make sure they're doing everything right because the governor's threatened to shut them down constantly. And so when I go among them, here's the funny thing about that. I go into meetings 
And we're being told you can only have a certain number of people. And what happens is everyone is so desperate for freedom in Christ, we're filling up every meeting all over the place. We can't even keep up with the amount of desperation that's going on in the people in that state. Do you guys get it? They see in the church freedom in Christ, and they're longing to get out of this spirit that has been released on this nation. Are you guys with me so far? All right, so God has given us the spirit of power. Let's take the word love here. We say it so much that it, it almost loses its impact, but it's the Greek word for the love of God. So God has given us this, the, not the spirit of dread, but the spirit of love. Now, it's using the idea there are different types of love in the Greek New Testament. This is his love. So it actually tells you that you, this type of quality of love that God gives you to replace dread and timidity only comes from the Lord. It's his quality of love. So ready? Have you guys, you could tell when you're breaking free from dread or timidity. You guys know how? All of a sudden you start, your eyesight gets restored and you start looking at everything with the love of God in it. That lifts you above fear. The love of God lifts you above dread. Let's finish it up. It says he's also giving you the, 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 the spirit. It says discipline here, but it's really a sound mind. What does that mean? One of the uh, Hebrew words for the work of God and who Jehovah is, is a term called shalom. I think this, this encapsulates it the best. All right? Shalom, uh, when, um, when Jesus died on the cross, it said uh, in Isaiah 53 that um, uh, upon him was our peace. The, the Hebrew word was upon him was our shalom. So what is it, when this word is being used here, God has not given us the spirit of dread, but of power, love, and a sound mind, it's tied to that concept of shalom. Now, how does that work, or how do I understand what that means? All right. When the Holy Spirit takes up residency inside of you, the Greek word here for sound mind is interesting. carries three concepts. It carries the idea of sensibility. So there's a wholeness that comes from the Holy Spirit, and as it comes to fill you and bring resolve in your heart and your mind, it also becomes an ability to discern right and wrong. Now, think about that. How does a believer know truth? Because the wholeness of his presence has come inside of you, and truth comes out of wholeness. So as Christ is restoring me, all of a sudden I know what truth is because he has released it and restored me in truth. And now I can say, well, that doesn't line up with the wholeness that has come to me. And so now I know not to go there and participate in that. I become sound in my thinking because of the wholeness of God that comes inside of me. I used to think, and if you look at the passage, a lot of people think, well, having a sound mind means you, you have correct theology. I know a lot of believers that have awful theology, but they have a sound mind. They can, they can recognize truth. They can recognize wholeness. This is what Christ has given us. And uh, hopefully you guys understood what I just said. 
There are a whole bunch of believers running out there with terrible theology. Terrible. They're just, it's just awful. When I listen to it, I say, oh, my goodness. I don't even know if that was biblical, even close to the Bible, what they said. But that's not the point. The point is that we all, ready, move towards truth as Christ moves towards us. We become more sound. In fact, remember I told you this is the verb tense of the word. Every situation where I need to have sensibility or, or wholeness inside of me, Christ gives it incrementally to me so that I keep growing into it and I ever increase in sound mindness. And so you can watch believers that when they first meet Christ, it's more of a love affair. And as they start walking with them, it becomes more wisdom based because all of a sudden Christ is making himself known to them. They're not just an overcomer in position. They're an overcomer in reality because they now have soundness inside of them. And they're protected from a fallen world because of this wholeness that Christ has released. I don't know. I think this sounds like good news. Now, this, this passage is also pointing to something I want you and I to think about. It's now giving us a standard of evaluating everything that's going on in our soul and the source of where it's coming from. If God has not given me the spirit of dread or fear or timidity or cowardice, as would be another way that it's translated, but of power, love, and wholeness, or a sound mind. Anytime I'm filled anything opposite of that, the Lord is saying, that's not for me. Resist it and turn to me so that that can be broken out of your soul. Why? Because you're seated with him. You really are in charge. And if you let that stuff motivate you, you're moving into a lesser of who you are. You're becoming a slave when you're actually the owner. You're becoming the tail even though God calls you the head. You've become a victim when he says you're an overcomer. Do you know the saddest picture on the planet is to see a person that can win a fight refusing to fight? And so Christ has said to you and I in every age, now think about this, at a certain point you and I are all going to be done with our own runs. And so we're going to teach this to the next generation. Every generation gets this incredible joy. I don't know if you guys think it's a joy. But they get this incredible joy of discovering the power and the love and the soundness of God to overcome everything in their life. That's why when we stand before Christ, the crown that we throw at his feet isn't our identity. It's our battles that we've won. Through him. That's why it's so glorious. We actually stand before him and go, that battle could not have been won unless you helped me. So the battle and the victory is yours, even though Christ gives it to you in time. Are you guys ready? God has called you. Recognize it. Anywhere in your life you're defeated, God has said, that's your battle. Don't back away from it. Let me come into it and let's go after it. You guys recognizing the battles? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for these rulers that I get to stand before. These people that you have called to change the nations with. What an honor. 
We have false governors, we have false rulers, and then I'm standing before the true people that have authority. And I ask that a sense of their position before you would saturate their hearts and minds. Any sense of fear of this age, you would break it free with your love and your power. I just want to honor you for a minute, Lord, and declare that you have given us in this room a sound mind. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come right now and begin to minister to my brothers and sisters and fan into flame their giftings, their calling, and their destiny right now. Begin to just wash off the spirit of the age that's so among us in our culture and begin to satisfy them in you. Let the joy of you fill them. I thank you for this time. I thank you for the opportunity to bless them. Now strengthen them, God. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen.